Welcome to another round of the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast here at Georgia Public Broadcasting. Thanks for accessing us however you are doing so. Large device or small, mobile or stationary. Thanks for hanging out with us for another round of the FFIG. I am John Nelson here at GPB Studios in Atlanta, joined as always by mi compadre, mi co-pilot, and mi amigo down in the borough, GPB's Tommy Palmer. Tommy, what is up? I'll tell you what, isn't this unbelievable? What about this weather, my friend? Can you believe this? We're, we're halfway through July, and it's 99 down here. I don't know what it is in Atlanta, but it is warm, brother. Okay, so it's 72 here. Tommy, is it 72 in uh, in in the borough where you are, in the Palmer Studios? It is. It is. It is, it is indeed, and feels very good, yeah. I might say. Yes. Yeah, so, okay, so 72 here, 72 there, 99 if he steps outside, so don't do that for this particular show. Uh, time to kind of catch folks up with what's been going on in the last month or so, and obviously, Tommy, the biggest news has to do with the, the Corky Kell Classic. They are moving the Saturday games from Mercedes-Benz to Mill Creek High School. Uh, Dave Hunter was quoted uh, with our friend Will Hammock at uh, Gwinnett Daily Post and uh, Gwinnett Prep Sports uh, saying that what the National Football League, uh, you're supposed to use NFL protocols. Mercedes-Benz officials require to use NFL guidelines for operation and sanitizing uh, a process for the Kell organizers who pay rent, obviously, for the building. Quoting Dave Hunter, they use NFL protocols, and it's not the stadium's fault. We could only have 6,000 people in there at one time. They wanted to take them out, clean the seats, let 6,000 new people in after every game. They wanted to do that after every game, and so they had to look for a new home for the Saturday games, and they are going to end up at Mill Creek, Mill Creek, gets the 245 game against Parkview. So uh, in the world of COVID-19, we've had uh, one of the biggest events here in the Southeast and really in all of high school football slide over outdoors in uh, in uh, late August. Yeah, definitely. And it's going to be warm, but, you know, it's it's warm at practice. Uh, it's going to be warm until October. We're, we're, we're somewhat used to it. And, we, you know, I think we really got spoiled at the Georgia Dome, John, to be quite honest with you. But now that that's in our rearview mirror, uh, I think uh, people have adjusted to playing in, in a lot of rain a year ago. Everybody had had a good time, and I think everybody enjoyed what they were doing. Now, as far as the broadcasters, you'd have to let me in on Thursday. All right, so that's the, the biggest news. What else has been under your magnifying glass as you've been kind of keeping an eye on things around the state? Any particular programs or uh, classes and classifications that you've been keeping your eye on here uh, since we last caught up? Yeah, I can hardly wait for Region 1A to kick off or Region 2A to kick off with uh, Brooks County dropping down from double A. <laughs> I know. You know I, didn't, I didn't realize they were as small as they are because they played in that one double A region over there for so many years very, very well, as I may say, because, uh, you know, they were uh, runners-up a year ago to Dublin, who is one of the finest double A teams to come down the pike in a while. But uh, I think with, with the loss of, uh, our friend at Irwin County and the change over there. I'm, I'm interested to see how they're going to respond. I know the talent is there. It definitely is. And you, you as well as I do, you know, uh, 
it was just a special year last year. Now, I figure there's probably eight to ten teams in single A public that uh, a lot of folks will be looking at when it comes to the championship. Brooks, obviously, dropping down and being in the region of doom in Region 2. Then you've got Dublin, who's dropped down as well. Then you've got probably the, the winner of the region game between uh, Mitchell, Mitchell County and Pelham. Both of those guys, right. just one of them will have to do it on the road. The the 98 teams that will come out of Region 2 single A that will be a part of the discussion. Obviously, you've got Don Tyson and Clinch. You've got Turner County that a lot of folks are looking at. And uh, all of those schools in, in that region as well. So I think that there are a handful of teams that a lot of folks are looking at in, in single A. I know that you've also been keeping an eye on what's going on in 6A. And in 7A, especially in Region 1 with both, where you've got two Alabama coaches who will be in charge of the Wintersville Classic now. Is that not amazing? <laughs> Rush Prost <laughs> and the guy from, uh, from Jamie Dubos, yeah. Yeah, uh, amazing. It's like, hey, what happened here? We, we closed our eyes for a minute, and now we got two Alabama coaches coaching two of the top programs in the state of Georgia. And I know that uh, obviously we're talking about things uh, in a present tense because uh, all of the discussions that we've had and, and for those that would like to go back and listen to the, the interview that I did with the executive director of the Georgia High School Association, Robin Hines, uh, kind of breaks things down with their uh, sports medicine advisory council that meets on a weekly basis. And right, right now, it is it is a week-by-week week thing, and they're keeping an eye on what's going on with all of the, the individual schools, all the individual areas, the states around them. And so, obviously, we're still looking at things in a present tense when it comes to looking at storylines coming up for the, the 2020 season. You know, that's amazing, and, and we're going to continue to look, and we're going to continue to see how things pan out with this. We're, we're not really... Uh, 99 and 44, 100% pure on if we're going to have a football season, but we're just, we're going to take it as if it's going to happen because, you know, we're knee deep in, in, in practice right now, John, and everybody's getting ready to play a full schedule, I'm sure. And you mentioned uh, single A is one of the places that you've been kind of keeping an eye on. Uh, in that interview with Robin Hines, for those who missed it, there was an interesting aspect of championship weekend that he addressed in his conversation with me. It's going to three days, and that's the plan. Here's his thoughts on the addition of flag football to the weekend. We're pretty excited about it, you know, and we're excited about, uh, you know, providing more opportunities for our young ladies, you know, and, and you know, through this two-year process that has led up to this to being the GHSA-sanctioned uh, activity, you know, it's just, just grown by leaps and bounds, and, and you know, I'm not going to, you know, we've lost some schools uh, because of the, the coronavirus, the COVID-19 thing, you know, people aren't that, you know, and this has also caused budgetary issues for a lot of our schools and that sort of thing, but we still have, you know, well over 100 uh, schools that will be participating and it'll be an area event and where there were going to be three games, there's just going to be two uh, games, you know, for the flag football champion, two divisions, areas, so to speak, and, and but it makes the schedule look pretty good. We're excited about it. We're excited about our young ladies and tell you they can play how about that two flag football games tommy to kick the weekend off and the single a games will be sliding to championship thursday so you'll have four games two flag footballs and the single a's on day one day two you'll have three day three you'll have three 
Isn't that amazing? Amazing what is happening now in GHSA. It's expanding in different areas, and we are getting uh, new stuff to to be able to talk about. And that's quite exciting, to be quite honest with you, John. I think it's it's going to be interesting. You you have two games on Thursday and Friday, correct? Is is that the change? Yeah, well, it's uh, you've got the this technically the four games on day one, the two flag footballs and the two single A's. So it'll be four right. on day one, then three on day two, and three on day three. There we go. Nice schedule, isn't it? I'll take it. Uh, yeah. When it comes to, I guess, coaching and practice and training in this new normal that we're in, uh, what have been your observations just kind of looking at things over there in uh, the eastern half of the state and in central Georgia? What what have been some of your observations? I've noticed that uh, they're taking it very easy, very slowly. They're being smart, and that's a good thing. Nobody wants to run out here and lose 11 or 12 players the first day of practice. And, and that's just not going to happen. I think the coaches are in a situation where they know they have to tread easy if they want to play football this fall. And the coaches have done a wonderful job of really uh, taking care of this situation. I don't think we've had any any malfunctions whatsoever, John. Yeah, there have been a couple of positive cases. Uh, I talked to Brad Harbor where he had one case the, coming immediately out of dead week and they they shut it down for the remainder of that week and there were uh, there have been others that have gone on uh glen academy long county uh and there have been some others off the top of my head that i that i can't recall but there have been some pockets and then the the coaches and the schools have been very vigilant about making sure that uh that 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 those athletes have been isolated and that they're getting the proper treatment and all that kind of stuff but uh exactly so but it's just about keeping an eye on things and maintaining it as best you can and as well as well as you can i caught up with nathan clark over at south effingham who is somewhat of a new head football coach and when you're the new guy you're you're looking at the other coaches as kind of like fulcrums and it's like okay sounding board to you sounding board to you and he's in constant contact with a lot of other coaches I asked him what's the best lesson he's got that he has received from another one of those coaches about how things are in this new normal I guess the idea is just to, to really just to stay positive during this time to stay positive and guide the ship in the right direction and uh, um just continue to come to work every day with a smile and bring lots of energy and not let things that you can't control bother And, Tommy, I think one of the other things that's uh, just as important here is that the mentality of coaches and, you know, when – you and I were when you and I were in high school, regardless of the sport we were playing. I know that you played football. I was a baseball guy, but the the old mentality of if you've got if you've got a knock, if you're kind of dinged up a little bit, to just rub some dirt on it and get back out there, that is mm-hmm. disappearing these days. And coaches want their students and their student athletes to be honest about how they're feeling these days because of how important it is for everyone in these situations. Yeah, I don't think the rub some dirt on it theory is is very good physical education. But, uh, uh, you know, things just change. Everything has progressed so much. Who would have thought we would have come so far with cell phone technology and all the things that have happened over the past 15 years? What, What a total change in everything. And I think it's the same thing with high school athletics and Everybody's trying to do the right thing, 
and and protect these kids as as best I can. And we'll, obviously, we'll be keeping an eye on uh, all of the the places and all of the the schools and how things are being monitored. Uh, once again, the the Georgia High School Association does their monitoring with their council on a weekly basis. Right now, you can have right. maximums of fifty in your in your training sessions. Uh, you can do uh, limited stuff. You can't do seven on sevens, but you can do drills and things like that. In addition to conditioning, you can have a maximum of 50. Some schools and some school districts are still smaller. Uh, some are doing 25, some are doing 10. And there'll, there'll be a piece that, uh, that Greg Kilday and I did up at Cambridge High. And they're a 6A school in North Fulton County. And we wanted to kind of gauge what's going on with the idea of Football's not the only sport going on right now, and so athletic directors have to juggle the six activities, five of them that are sports plus one-act play, and and all of these dynamics that have to be in place to make sure that everything is properly sanitized, the student-athletes are being taken care of, and and all of these things that are going on. So it's a a lot that ADs and coaches have to juggle these days when it comes to this new normal, Tommy. And a lot of it is very time-consuming after you've done what you've done you know, it's not the same old uh, throw them in the washing machine and wash them and then get them dry. It's not that anymore. I mean, everything has to be done. You have to have the cleanups and the, the sanitizing and things. Things are just totally different now, John. There's a there's a wagon behind every program in the state of Georgia this year with all the new additions. And one other thing that uh, I wanted to address before we left this go-round was a, a, a loss of a great individual in central Georgia, Thomas Moore, who was known as Big, was lost to us all in the high school circles. He was lost to us by COVID-19. He was active in the programs at Warner Robins in Houston County. He had retired as an administrator in Perry. He was the Perry High... Uh, director of football operations, and he was he was lost to us through COVID nineteen. Grant Blankenship down at GPB Macon caught up with Northside head coach and, and athletics director Chad Allergood just to kind of give everybody and a bit of an explainer as to what big meant to Central Georgia. He was bigger in life, big old guy, had, had a big smile, funny. His oldest son Tommy played for us here at Northside, was part of uh, state championship teams, and uh, you know, Big had had touched every school in this system. You know, his kids had either went or he had coached or was an administrator. I think in every high school but one, couple middle schools, uh, Big was just a a good guy. He was at every game. Where if, if somebody was playing at the MAC or Freedom Field, wherever, if there was a high school football game, he was going to be on the sidelines. And you, you could not have seen Big in two months, but when you came up to him, it was like you just talked to him a day ago. He he just had that infectious spirit about him, and he'll be missed. And so, Tommy, you, you know, you have one of these losses, and it's it's a reminder about how fragile life is, but at the same time about how Really, when you associate someone with a particular school, it's more than that. It's about the communities and it's about the region. And so just because uh, Big was a part of, of Kevin Kevin's program at Perry, he was mm-hmm. also known in Houston County across the board. And it was uh, it's obviously a big loss, but I think it reinforces really what high school athletics and what high schools mean to the, their individual parts of the state and then to the greater community, too. I agree. And, of course, in the Houston County area there, John, you have a very diverse area of several schools, and all those programs crisscross with each other. 
So that makes it more paramount that people would be interested to know what really is going on. And I'm sure other programs in that county uh, definitely doubled down when they found out what was going on there. Last question before we go this go-around. How are you? Uh, I'm okay. I'll leave it at that. How's that? Yeah, I mean, because uh, there are a lot of people who ask, and there are a lot of people that are here, obviously, at Georgia Public and GPB Sports that, that love you very much. But a lot of people around the state, they ask, and they want to know how you're doing. So that was why I wanted to pose the question as to how you were up and how you were how you were and what you were up to. I am uh, uh, taking it one day at a time, brother, taking it one day at a time. But uh, every day I wake up is a blessed day, and I feel very good uh, working hard at it. And uh, your prayers and the people's thoughts and prayers and the people that have, you know, just uh, connected with me, it means a lot. So continue to do that. It's encouraging. This old player still needs a lot of prayer, but uh, I'm hanging in there, John. Hanging in there, brother. Love you very much. I hope you know that. Yeah, thank you, and I appreciate it. Love y'all very much, too, and thanks to all my folks at GPB. I love you guys. Y'all been so supportive. Wonderful people. Thank you. That is it for another go-around of the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast here at Georgia Public Broadcasting. I'm John Nelson. Thanks, as always, to the co-pilot, Tommy Palmer, down there in the in the borough. You can subscribe to us for free anywhere your favorite podcasts and podcatchers are found. The Football Fridays in Georgia podcast is produced by the irreplaceable Sean Powers. Football Fridays in Georgia podcast is a production of Georgia Public Broadcasting. Play it safe, everybody. We'll see you next time. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.